Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 94, The Baseball New Zealand Project. Welcome to Makers of Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. Hope everyone had a good holiday season. I took a little bit of a break. Um, got some pretty good shows lined up for 2018. So to kick this thing off, actually, I wanted to bring you some audio that some of you may have already heard. Uh, it's with the Baseball New Zealand Project which is a, an open branding project, a brand identity project created by Brandon Moore, who is a, by day as a designer for the Miami Dolphins, and Brian Gundell, who is a freelance designer focusing on sports branding. Uh, in collaboration with Chris Creamer, former guest on this show, who is the founder of SportsLogos.net. Essentially what these guys are doing is chronicling their process uh, of this entire project for Baseball New Zealand, which is the uh, nonprofit organization for baseball in the country of New Zealand. So this, this audio is unedited. It was originally released as a video and posted to sportslogos.net. So I figured might as well release as audio to people that prefer that medium as well. So without further ado, this is my conversation, my interview with Brian Gundell of Brian Gundell Graphic Design Company and Brandon Moore of the Miami Dolphins and freelance designer and illustrator on sportslogos.net. All right. Um, I will introduce myself, I guess, in case anyone doesn't know who I am. Uh, what's up to the sportslogos.net community? Uh, my name is Adam Martin, and I am a designer and podcaster uh, and friend of these two guys that we're about to chat with. Uh, if you haven't heard of my show, it's Makers of Sport. Chris Creamer has actually been on the show, so it might be worth checking that out. Anyhow, uh, I've been asked to conduct this Q&A with these guys for, uh, for this awesome project they have going on, so I'm excited to do that. And we'll get right in. I want to just kind of have uh, you guys introduce yourselves in case there's some new people listening to this. Uh, obviously, I'll post this to my audience, so people may not know who you are. Um, how about just a, a brief introduction of yourselves, and then let's kind of hear a, a synopsis of the project. Okay. Uh, I'm Brandon Moore. I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I work full-time for the Miami Dolphins, and uh, every now and then I get to take on really great projects like this with baseball in New Zealand and, uh, and do it with great people like Brian and like Ryan and Ian from baseball New Zealand. So go ahead, B. Uh, hi, I'm Brian Goodell. Uh, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I have my own creative agency uh, here in Portland, Oregon. Um, been working in the sports design industry for about 10 years. So uh, that's kind of my background. I've worked agency uh, in-house for teams uh, and also as contract designer with Nike, I've also freelanced with Adidas and Under Armour. Um, yeah, Brandon and I uh, have connected through the social sports branding channels back in the day. We 
We're members of the Chris Kramer SportsLogos.net community way back in the day, which I think that's where we first connected, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Gordy Lillini. Yeah. I think that's why I first discovered you and your work. <laughs> so, so where, yeah. where, where, where does that come from, by the way? Because that's your Skype name, too. I'm just curious. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a long story. Uh, we're, we're, we're starting this thing off off the rails. So Yeah, we are. Uh, but it's, um, I, I took Latin in, in middle school and in high school. And uh, when, I, when I got into my, my AP Latin class as a freshman, um, I had switched schools. And there's a girl in the class. Her name was Nicolene. And one day, somebody said, hey, where's Nicolene? And somebody else misheard them and said, did you just say, where's Gordy Delini? Oh, that must be the freshman. <laughs> and it, they just started calling me Gordy, and it just kind of stuck. So that's, that's where it came from. <laughs> All right, cool. I always thought it was a hockey player's name. <laughs> you would think, given that I, I'm... I thought so it was not. a sandwich. <laughs> now, I, now I need to make it a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we got that very important piece of information out of the way... Um, so you guys connected on this project, you, there's a bit of history behind it. You reached out, uh, you wanted to do this open branding project, uh, open process and, and showcase the design process for sports entity to the public. Um, why don't you touch on a little bit about who you're doing it for and then sort of how this thing came about. Yeah, Brandon, I'll, I'll start on this one. Um, we, we as uh, people who are involved in the sports branding world are constantly seeing teams do these really complex, intricate, and um, really fantastic rebrands. Uh, and they're more and more being scrutinized down to the, to the nth degree. And we know what the creative process is like. So fans and the general public will comment and, and make these really brash comments and responses that are frankly uneducated and because we know what's involved with that we know there somewhere along the way somebody made a choice uh for whatever reason and you know there's always all these suggestions oh they should have done this they should have done that we we can't help but think and knowing what we know that those options were explored and, and not chosen for a reason so that's kind of the motivation that we had for doing this, you know, Brandon's uh, original tweet was, it'd be so cool if we could do this all out in the open so that people can actually see what this process is really truly like so that they'll get why decisions are made the way they're made. And that, yeah, we're not just doing things arbitrarily. Um, so come along with us on the, on the ride and see what, what it's really like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, uh, Sorry, Brandon, go ahead. Um, yeah, the original idea was to just kind of put glass walls on the studio and give people a peek inside. Um, and then I think what's really made it interesting, at least for Baseball New Zealand, is uh, we're hoping that it comes in, uh, acts like sort of a marketing campaign. Um, and I see that as the benefit for them. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can expose their brand to a number of people a number of different channels and that's why we brought chris in with sportslogos.net and uh just kind of be its own marketing campaign for them right 
Yeah, and, and so the way that Baseball New Zealand itself was chosen, that came about someone followed you guys and you had a previous connection there. How did that, how did that happen? I know you've touched on this in the articles, but since this is an entirely different medium, I, I kind of want to hit that point as well. Yeah, I think it was Garris Hooten uh, who hit us first and mentioned that Baseball New Zealand might be interested. Um, so it was funny how it just kind of all started on Twitter. So uh, what was his connection there? Did he used to work there or, or did work there? I believe so. I believe he was a designer. Okay. Uh, so um, he was, I'm, I don't, we're not entirely a hundred percent and Gareth feel free to, to reach out and correct us on Twitter or, or, you know, yeah. In the um, article, in the article, this is that's written with this. You guys can correct whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not entirely sure, but we know he was at some point working for baseball New Zealand in some capacity. Gotcha. That's very cool. So, um, you know, obviously I've read your articles. Uh, you guys are documenting this process on sportslogos.net, which is, which is obviously a great platform because of people that read that. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, a, a good get, a good uh, breadth, I guess, if you will, of, of people of levels of understanding in the branding process, right? You have designers that are in the trenches every single day. And then you have people that, Maybe they're just a sports fan that likes sports logos. Uh, you actually mentioned, Brandon, I think it was you in, in your article, um, the University of California logo and a couple of examples where these things have gone really badly, where the public just gets a hold of it and, and attacks it. Um, this, is, this has been a, 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 a sort of a thread on – on my podcast with a lot of people that work in this industry. I myself have dealt with this designing for um, an NCAA division three athletic program where it just fell apart, <laughs> you know, when you're attacked. And honestly, as a designer, um, you put your heart and soul into this stuff and, and, and it hurts, right? Like when you get attacked, because really what people are attacking is almost like the, the system or, or the, the school or the brand itself and, and not necessarily you. Right. Yeah. So you almost have to keep that perspective. Uh, so I'm curious, what's your, what's your guys take on that? I mean, how are you going to kind of navigate this? Because this is uh, not only is this a sports entity, right? This is also a sports entity that represents a country and, and a culture of people that you guys aren't from and do not live in and, and honestly don't have easy access to as far as, it's hard. It, it, this isn't, you know, flying to New York, right? Like this is flying to the other side of the world. Right. So can you just touch, touch on that a little bit? Right. Yeah. This is, um, I think baseball New Zealand is the perfect uh, client for this uh, because of those challenges, because if this was an identity that was rolled out like formula one or um, university of California, where it's just like, Oh, here's the logo. And then you, you know, as, as you read, it's, it's attached with some kind of copy, like the logo stands tall and represents the past, well, whatever, the future. Yeah. Like, it, it's just without... The, the infamous post-design circle grid. Oh, yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with this process, you'll see um, how much help that we've had uh, in, in making it happen. Um and that's like primary goal number one. Like we don't want anything to be not authentic uh, with this brand. Um, and 
the, the help that we've that we'll have and you know the, the process that we're going through that like that's that's the whole point like I, I I'm starting already to wish that like this was the normal I, I wish like as a fan that Formula One and Wyden and Kennedy would have done this process would have mm-hmm. you know had this open project like let, let's see your thoughts <clears throat> behind behind the logos behind the decision making and um, so far it's been good because of the help that we have had, especially Dave Bishop, who we talked to uh, a couple of weeks ago, who's a tattoo artist and a Maori uh, cultural expert. What's well, it's, it's interesting to me because you, you're putting out this work, you're putting out these sketches and, you know, we'll see sometimes a design firm will, I think about um, the Milwaukee Bucks identity by Double Dan Cartwright when that launched, there was a huge backlash, right? And then they put out their sketches and it was like, oh, some of this stuff is really cool, right? And so you almost wonder how the public seeing some of those things in that process would affect the decision-making of, you know, the executives that ultimately make the call. I mean, right, because here's the thing, like you guys are, are doing your best to do your research and, and you're putting your talent and expertise out um, for the world to see. but at the end of the day, it's, it's not your call. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that's, that's tough in this design world. So how are you going to kind of balance the feedback from a public perspective? Cause I know you've written about how you're not going to, um, you're not necessarily approaching this from a design by committee perspective. Right. But there's going to be some things that the public say that are probably going to stick either subconsciously or whatever. Like, so I'm, so I'm just curious, how are you going to balance like seeing that feedback and knowing that you're putting yourself out there for the world to see, which is a very vulnerable thing. So I, I give you guys mad props for that. Um, wh- you know, how are you going to balance that and seeing that stuff, but also sort of pushing your own aesthetic or your own expertise and not trying to let it weigh in too much, if that makes sense. Well, I, I think we have a really strong concept um, to, to go with. Uh, and, and I think that's where uh, the general population tends to to kind of fall short because there's obvious the obvious cues and there's things that they're going to like you know the other day we had somebody comment on twitter that you know they liked the idea of the southern cross um with with uh made up uh uh the making the uh, the bases on the field mm-hmm. uh which you know we had we had kind of played with a little bit but you know we did some additional research and uh the Southern Cross, while present on the New Zealand flag, is really more tightly associated with Australia than it is with New Zealand. So to us, that's not really an appropriate decision to make. And, and those are conversations that we're having with, uh, between Brandon and I. It's also conversations that we're having with, with Ryan and Ian at Baseball New Zealand. So, you know, it's, it's of course, we're, we're conscious of, of the general public's comments but so far for the most part i think everybody is is uh pleased to see the process as it develops they're they're seeing our thinking and our hope is that by seeing our thinking hearing our thoughts getting getting having these kinds of conversations where you know we're discussing why we're doing what we're doing and and the meaning behind it and why we feel that's appropriate why other things aren't appropriate why new zealand baseball new zealand is is picking certain directions over others that they'll be able to have that same sort of oh yeah that makes sense kind of moments that we have that, that as designers that we get all the time in conversations with clients that the public never ever ever sees 
So that's, that's our hope is that, that people will, you know, understand that because we're, you know, we are so deep in the creative process, they're, they're coming along for the ride. And I don't know, it's a balancing act because there, there are times where it's, you know, of course, if somebody makes a good suggestion, yeah, you know, we'll take a look at it. Uh, but we also have to be careful too. If, if we get a suggestion from somebody and it's, it's an amazing suggestion or somebody provides us with a sketch, we have to be careful that about, you know, IP and copyright law. So for the most part, there's a lot that if somebody makes a suggestion, we can't use just because it's not coming from us. So we have to be extra careful from a little bit <clears> as well. Right. And I, and I think, uh, you know, speaking of IP and copyright law and just cultural symbols of, of New Zealand, um, the silver fern is something that you guys touched on. And, and we, I think most of us, most sports fans, I think, are going to be familiar with the All Blacks, which are probably one of the, the biggest brands in terms of exposing the world of, the world of sport, for sure, to New Zealand culture. Uh, and they obviously use the silver fern. Um, you guys, I know that was an idea that was tossed around. And it was it was quickly shot down because of it's it's I guess trademarked with other organizations. So um, can you kind of touch on that the New Zealand firm because it, it, it's or the the silver firm sorry and and I and obviously I should have done this in the beginning but I'll apologize honestly uh, uh, as a disclaimer to the people of New Zealand uh, for some of my uh, my own cultural ignorance so to speak. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, the, none of no, anything that I get wrong is definitely not intentional, um, or pronunciations or anything like that. But I'm curious, can you, can you touch on the whole silver fern aspect and, uh, and that being shot down and, and then even, even the fact that it's so associated with the all blacks, it's almost like you want to associate, um, associate with other aspects of New Zealand sport as well. Yeah, it's still, um, it, it's a symbol of the country. So there's still opportunity to work it into the identity in some way. Um, it's just that primary logo can't be the silver fern, um, but maybe something else takes inspiration from it. Maybe it's incorporated into another logo. Uh, but one of the big goals, of course, is to separate this brand from uh, the All Blacks. And maybe surprisingly, their closest competitor really is softball New Zealand. Um, and so it's not just like staying away from the silver fern, but there's a lot of baseball imagery that we have to consider too, because a baseball looks exactly like a softball. The bats are the same, you know, the bases are the same. So like pulling that imagery, that's one of the challenges we're working through now too. Um, so I, I don't know if we've gotten to the point where we can say no silver fern will be incorporated at all, but it's definitely not going to be the primary mark. Do you have yeah. some, uh, do you have some, uh, sort of leeway to experiment with, uh, color, uh, color palettes and that type of thing? Cause I know that you mentioned uh, softball New Zealand. I, I, I noticed that they use red. In yeah. Their we, uh, this is a conversation we actually had yesterday with, with Ryan and Ian, um, was about color and, uh, they're all for it. Uh, they, they are very, I mean, kind of touching, uh, and going off what Brandon just said, they are, are super interested in standing out 
uh, on their own. And we as designers are interested in doing that too. Uh, so I think Brandon made a good point that the fact that, you know, we're not going to completely eliminate uh, the silver fern from any usage whatsoever, but it, for us uh, and for baseball New Zealand too, the silver fern is so closely associated with the all blacks. We just can't really go there uh, and be able to claim it as our own. Uh, so yeah, we might work it in, in a subtle way or a, in a, in a secondary or tertiary way, but it's, it's, it can't be the focus. Um, and, and the color story kind of plays into that same thing. You know, what we, what we're attempting to do is to really make baseball New Zealand stand out amongst all the, the national sporting bodies in the country and in the region of Oceania and um, color is a way to do that. So they, they were talking yesterday about how in the winter time, everybody's already wearing black and white because that's just <laughs> the national identity and it's drab and dreary and it's a fun summer sport so uh, we we're going to certainly explore how objects can color life into the identity um, and uh, it will definitely not be red uh, because we will do everything we can to um, go as far from uh, softball New Zealand that, that we can um, so you know but that's something that we have yet to explore we're, we're more that's, I think, further down in the process than where we are right now. Uh, we need to really nail down the identity aspect of it. And um, we, we're, we discussed last night uh, a concept track that we're really excited about. Uh, we think the organization is really excited about it. Uh, so we're at the point where we're going to start developing that in a more serious and precise manner. How, do you have how many uh, how many concepts are you presenting? Do you have a, a grasp on that? Oh, okay. So so you're not you're, this is, you're not coming in with like multiple. Um, you're you're narrowing it down. So I guess since it's a public process, they're able to see you. You narrow it down, as opposed to you do you build out four really deep concepts and pitch them. I, I well, think there, there will be a few. I, I think so. Um, they'll see everything, but I think yeah. as far as each mark or maybe for the primary mark, the cap logo, um, yeah, I think it's fair to, um, throw in a few, um, options, uh, but definitely stuff that we feel strong about, you know, if we feel strong about 10, I don't know, throw 10, no, I, I've never set a number on it. it it's yeah. always been like, if I feel really good about one, I'll show one. If I really feel good about 10, then sure, I'll show them 10. Yeah, and I'm the same way with that. Uh, I think the other thing too is uh, when I say we have one concept, I, I mean we have, we have one concept, but that doesn't mean that we're going to show one design. You know, we, we have one. Did we lose Brian? Uh, think maybe we have <laughs> somewhere. So this the, is the approach we're going to take at the moment. Is, um, Brandon, you're still there, you right? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, hey, Brian. Um, if you can, um, if you have Dropbox or anything like that going, uh, turn that off. Try to uh, try to use like as little bandwidth as possible. 
Yeah, that sorry, that might that might help a little bit. This is uh, this is a, this is what happens when you do it live, people. This is the this is the the hey, the whole process is open. This is the rough and raw aspect of the of the interview as well. Well, am, uh, I, am I back now? I, yes. Yeah, I think you're back, B. Okay. Um, so I, I'll I'll get into the the concept. I guess I mean it, it's all open, right? So um, we really like the idea of using a shark as kind of the symbol or the mascot for the brand. Um, and the reason we like a shark is because we feel like that's kind of the right personality that for this team that, that Ryan has had and that Ian has had, they just told us eight years ago, they had only a few thousand dollars to like start this whole thing. And the, now the entire operating budget was a hundred thousand dollars, which included all staff salaries. Yeah. And wow. now they are at the point where they're very close to getting an ABL team. Um, so I don't know. I, I look at Ryan and I see a shark. I see a lot of aggression. I see a lot of, you know, a go-getter. And the shark is also um, an animal that is important to the history of New Zealand, to the, to the culture. So it feels like a good bridge between the two. Yeah, I noticed um, in one of your articles that the, uh, I guess the CEO of New Zealand had, or of Baseball New Zealand had sent over some sketches of some of the patterns and the, the significance of the shark. And it looks like you're starting to kind of incorporate even shark tooth designs. Yeah, that, was, that was Dave Bishop, not, not Ryan Flynn. Oh, okay. So okay. Dave Bishop is, um, he's a Maori uh, tattoo artist and designer. Um, uh, and I think it's Matatoa. Is that, is that the name of his design uh, brand? Uh, uh, I think it's, I think that's what it is. Uh, yeah, we'll, I, yeah, we'll 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 be sure to include a link for yeah. people. Anyway, um, it, so he's he's the guy that really um gave us those patterns, and and he's been um, <clears throat> associate of baseball New Zealand. He actually played baseball. His uh, younger brother is is an up and coming prospect, and it's actually in Australia, um, going through his development. Is looking like he might actually get a, a collegiate scholarship here in the U.S. Uh, anyway. Uh, he was the guy that provided the the uh, tattoo and and Maori insight, um, and we're uh, we're going to be speaking on Sunday U.S. time, Monday New Zealand time, with uh, Professor of Maori Visual Cult Arts and Culture. Um, so just to get another another perspective on on that aspect of it, um, but yeah, we you know we we do like the shark symbolism. Uh, sharks are important in Maori culture, and and uh, they're they're very prevalent around New Zealand. Uh, there are a lot of sharks in the waters down there. Um, and we, we like the tooth because it's a cool graphic representation without being cliche. Um, and it gives us kind of a housing shape to be able to put uh, some Maori touches, some baseball touches, and really tie everything together in a unique and, and cool way. And we think, uh, you know, to be perfectly shameless about it, that it'll, it'll look good on merchandise. And we're hoping that that's something that um, can be a secondary revenue stream for baseball New Zealand, just so they're, they're able to help pay for our services and, and continue the relationship that we have with them and, and that they're able to, to generate some extra income to be able to further fund their efforts in, in raising the prevalence of the program out there um, and to help fund their, their stadium and facilities for the Australian baseball league. Um, so yeah, that's we're we're kind of approaching that from from that kind of angle. Um, 
and and we're we're excited about that. So our our next steps are to really figure out how those pieces fit together: the Mari aspect, the baseball aspect, and the shark aspect in in a cohesive way. I think uh, you know, for me, something that's I'm I'm familiar with New Zealand sport, obviously, because of the All Blacks. I think a lot of people are. I touched on that earlier. They have this fantastic brand. Um, I actually wrote about this brand on a on a a branding article for makers of sport and how they also just, they display, they, they are one of the prominent um, organizations that put New Zealand culture on a pedestal for uh, other people in the world to see, right? Because sport is this beautiful thing with culture and it, and it displays cultures for all of us. One thing that I find interesting about them is, um, and the new, the New Zealand people is uh, there's this, there's this history uh, baked into their culture of pattern which is amazing. And if you think about just the aspects of being able to use pattern in a design as a design asset that can scale to all of these things, I noticed that the all blacks don't really use it that much. Are there any other organizations in your research, uh, sports organizations that are using pattern in New Zealand? Um, not that I've seen yet. Um, and the pattern thing is interesting because it's very specific to uh, different regions of New Zealand. Uh, and so the stuff that we've looked at and that we will incorporate, um, I think that it's going to be based around the New Zealand or the Auckland uh, people. Um, and there, there's a lot of meaning within, you know, just these simple lines, these simple patterns, they represent, you know, water or, or different animals. They represent uh, generations um, you could give a twist to something and it represents one person you give it two twists and it's two people and the way that patterns kind of overlap um, it kind of represents generations of someone's family so I, I think for the all blacks trying to um, uh, represent the entire country of New Zealand it's probably hard for them to use really specific patterns in their stuff um, but they do have a few jerseys uh, that the Maori team does where uh, it, it's kind of tattoo art it, um, that, that's in their jerseys. Like it's really gorgeous stuff. Um, but the other sporting teams uh, like softball, rugby, um, that, that they kind of use it in their logos. I don't think they use it in their uniforms or anything. And it's not very prevalent. What's the, uh, what's the significance of, of the color black? Because I, I know that their flag is not black, um, but we, we sort of associate it with, with them because of the all blacks and because of that's their color of their, their brand. Uh, I would say it's, it's, you know, it's the sporting identity, just like you've got you know, green and, and yellow for Australia. That's, that's something that's really not a lot uh, of – familiarity that American sports fans have because, you know, every American team is red, white, and blue right. for, for the U S flag. But the, you know, you look at, at European sporting bodies, uh, you know, um, Italy, for example, uses a, a, a sky blue on, on most of their sporting teams. Australia is green and yellow. And, and that's kind of the significance of, of black and white. I, I, I'm sure there's a deeper significance, but for us, for now, that's, that's our knowledge base on it is that's just kind of the, the national sporting identity. Uh, and, and so I think it, 
I think it comes from Maori tattoo art. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a hundred percent, but I, I, it, I'm pretty sure it, it stems from that. Yeah. I would, I would say it's most likely coming from Maori culture in some, some aspect. Um, and, and, you know, the flag itself is, it's obviously because of, of European colonization, which is its own tricky political situation in New Zealand that we're trying to avoid. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that actually brings up a good, uh, a good point. I mean, the fact that this is an open, open process, you're going to get a lot of feedback solicited or unsolicited. Um, and some of that feedback may actually be in the vein of, creatives from New Zealand or people from New Zealand that are questioning why these two American dudes are creating this work, right. For their, for an organization that represents them. So how, how, uh, have you guys thought about how you can answer that question and, and sort of, you know, I, this is kind of a hardball, but you know, how to, uh, sort of defend your position when you, yeah. when you undoubtedly get that question. <clears throat> yeah. I, I hope we do because the, the whole process and the whole project itself, um, I'm hoping will will answer that. You know, um, with having uh, the professor and, and Dave Bishop and all these guys kind of guiding us. Um, I, the way I see it, you know, we're not we're not really creating anything. We're discovering things and we're kind of combining different ideas that uh, that represent New England, that represent or New Zealand, <laughs> definitely not New England. <laughs> Um, and and make this an identity that's authentic and that people are proud to wear. You know, where um, I, I don't think the influence, I don't think we'll have a lot of influence on this, like as an American sporting guys. Um, I hope that we end up creating something that that anybody from New Zealand would have, you know, that that's the ultimate goal. Well, I, I think for us, it's, it's the fact that, that Brandon and I have the, the sports branding expertise, uh, which is such unto itself a, a specialized, unique field. Um, you know, Brandon and I are both really entrenched in that world. And it's, you know, everywhere that we've worked and our, all of our experiences give us that perspective. And I think what we have going for us is that he and I are both on the, on the same uh, page and of the same mindset that we want to make sure everything we do is a, as authentic and culturally relevant as possible. Uh, so to us, we're doing everything we possibly can short of spending a year in New Zealand, which, you know, we've mentioned it before. Anybody who wants to front, foot that bill for us, please feel free. Um, <laughs> we want to, uh, we really do want to get the cultural significance right. So are we native New Zealanders? No. Uh, but we're doing everything we can to make sure we understand as, as best we can those cues to be able to incorporate, you know, what we would have done otherwise uh, for a national organization. And, and to that aspect, I mean, we've had lots of conversations. It's one of the reasons we do like the shark tooth to, to so much is because it's something different than, you know, Kiwis and Southern crosses and, uh, silver ferns that we, you know, if we were doing this on our own without the involvement of baseball, New Zealand, we would have, those are the places we would have gone to and, and just, you know, shot for the moon with because we wouldn't have known any better. And the same with any, any kind of Maori pattern work, you know, that's something that I always try to research in things, but we don't know what's authentic Maori 
pattern work. We don't know uh, which iwi rep is represented by what kind of line work. And those are things that are important to us to make sure we do properly. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really uh, relying on people like Dave Bishop and Robert Janke um, to, to guide us and make sure that what we're doing is, is going to be accurate and respectful and representative. So we're going to be funneling all of our designs through those guys um, constantly throughout this process to make sure that, you know, <laughs> hey, are we, are we doing this right? Are we getting this right? Are we, uh, you know, did we unintentionally insult three quarters of the population by using this line work instead of this line work? <laughs> um, so I think that for us is advantageous um, because we're cognizant of that, whereas, you know, potentially other designers may not have been. So I think because we're taking that approach and then we have the traditional sports branding uh, knowledge and expertise behind that, it's going to be a, a, a winning combination. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, so kind of switching gears here, I want to talk a little bit about, we've touched on sort of like your strategy for the project um, and some of how that works, but just some of the actual business aspects of this project. I know that there are people that are actually are interested in that. Um, not only from just a collaboration perspective, your process, you're educating the public. So th there are things that people can essentially, <clears throat> a, a new designer can lift from this and incorporate to their own processes, right? You can see how you sketch, um, essentially how many conversations you have with a client, uh, those types of things. One thing that, that can't be lifted from a project like this, um, and, and really just copied. I mean, you can, you can steal some, uh, essentially a process, but what you can't steal are things like pricing and you guys have, you, you guys have decided not to disclose the pricing. And I know that you've gotten some questions on that. Um, so I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. We had a, we had a, a pretty, deep conversation on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago about pricing um, where I, I personally, just from my perspective, uh, being, being in the business is that pricing. Yeah. I mean, from a, from a curiosity perspective, I think, you know, I'm curious, everyone's curious, but is it something that necessarily matters in terms of disclosing to the public? Like, does it actually help the public understand what's happening in this process? Because at the end of the day, you're, you're delivering what the creative you're, you're showing the creative process, right? Is yeah. what you're delivering to the public. And so I can actually take that creative process as someone, as a designer and implement those things in, into my own processes. But what I can't do is actually take the number that you charged and make that a standard number that I can go to every single client and charge. Right. So exactly. can you, yeah. yeah. Can you guys kind of talk about that a little bit and, and maybe even just go down the path of some of that conversation we had and, and I guess your defense of why that doesn't matter, why the number itself doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea, like I said, was uh, to put glass walls on the studio and to open up the creative process so people could understand the, the final results of it. Um, and that was an attempt to reach a broader audience, you know, baseball New Zealand's audience, uh, and create fans of that brand. Um, I didn't expect people to want to know, know the numbers and the math behind it, but I guess I, I, I understand. From the designer's perspective, I understand. But yeah, the, you know, I think the, 
big thing to take away from it. And I think what maybe we should share with people, or we did in the proposal was how to come to a number and how to um, put a number on, on what you do and how to say this is valuable. Yeah. Um, because what I would charge by myself or what I, if I did this project with another designer, if you, Adam, you and I did this, it would be a different number. So yeah. the, the number itself doesn't matter. Right. But I mean, I, and everyone has varying levels of experience, right? Like a, yeah, a, yeah. a, a person that's, that's only done like a couple of high local high school identities can't necessarily take your number and learn from that number and say, I'm going to charge that on my next project. Right. Because it's just, it's, it's completely different. And there, and there are really no, um, no market rates, so to speak, because you're really, this is a global project. I mean, you're not working in a market, right? Like you guys are mm -hmm. in two separate markets. The sports business itself is, is, spans the, a huge gamut, right. Of youth clubs all the way to professional teams right yeah, so you right. can't necessarily just stamp a number yeah I, I think people got um you know locked into the number because it's like oh i want to charge that number but i think if we're going to help designers it, it's going to be um no this is the process of coming to a number that's what's valuable that's what we should be teaching people if if we're going to do that right um yeah and, and i agree with that because i think Anybody that's run their own business or does any type of freelance, you've we've all looked for years. What should I charge? I want a definitive answer, right, of what I should charge, and yeah. and it it just doesn't exist, right? Because well, it can't. Exist. Your expenses are different, Brian. You have a family. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, but but and, also like you you look at two designers, you put them on paper next to each other. Both have 10 years of experience, but my 10 years experience is going to be vastly different than somebody else's 10 years experience. You know, in my 10 years, I've worked at Nike. I've worked at the Arizona Diamondbacks. I've worked at the University of Washington. And I've had my own business. Nobody else has that same 10 years of experience. And that gives me a new perspective. Uh, and Brandon and I had a, a, a good long conversation about what we should charge for this project. And there was a lot of back and forth. And uh, just because we have to put a value on our time. You know, this is not the only project I'm working on. Brandon has a full-time job. So what, again, what we would charge given our, our schedules and our experiences, I mean, you can't, you can't put a number on that, that people are going to be able to understand. And the other thing too is there are people who are going to look at the number that we're charging and go, Oh my God, how could you be charging that much? And then there are other people who are going to look on that and go, that's all you're charging. Are you kidding me? So they're, it's, it's very, very subjective. So we felt because of that subjectiveness, it would be distracting mm -hmm. and people will get too hung up on that rather than on the process. And, and that's a number that we came to an agreement on between Brandon and I, and, and then also with baseball New Zealand. So. Yeah. And I, I think uh, to add to that, there's, there's this aspect of, uh, just an example, and, and I know that we had this conversation on Twitter, but, but I'm, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, obviously. Uh, so that means by default, I'm a University of Kentucky fan. Um, they, Nike's graphic identity group did a rebrand for them. And then later, the university decided that they wanted to use the interlocking UK as a part of their institutional identity, when in the past they'd had a separate institutional identity and an athletic identity. Um, and then a, a student newspaper caught wind of this happening and, and put out a screenshot 
of the logo, right? Like the, the interlocking UK and then, then the typography that was paired with it. And essentially what happened was Pentagram is the one that worked on the uh, institutional identity. So what they did was basically built an, an identity system, right? With the typography and all these things and all this work and all these meetings. But what the public saw on this logo was that, or in this, with this student newspaper piece was this screenshot of a logo and that it cost $75,000, right? And so of course people, I think a lot of people take a number and they liken it to a salary, right? So especially people that don't run their own or don't run their own businesses. So they, they may look at that and say, oh, well, I would love to get, I only get paid $60,000 a year or whatever. Uh, I would have done that, right? But what they don't understand is that there were tons of meetings, tons of iterations, and there's a whole system that's built behind all this that every single college in the university is getting that we aren't seeing. Um, and so there's a, there's a context that oftentimes isn't shown, right? And so what you guys are, are doing is showing that context of the things that, that of all of that bulk of work, right? Yeah. So yeah, that right. people can, you know, even if there was a number, they could associate that number with, with that. Um, I think obviously it's an inherent human curiosity to know what people are getting paid, right? I mean, if you hear somebody talk about their salary, your ears perk up like, wait, what, you know? Um, but, you know, in agreement with you guys, I don't think that the number actually matters that much in this instance, because it's not something like we said that a person can take and just stamp it on to, into their, into their process. No, right. if, if, if that were the case, we would have charged pentagram prices, you know? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and there's another thing too. I mean, there's economies of scale, right? Like, like the, the university of Kentucky probably spends, you know, $300,000 a year on toilet paper. Right. <laughs> so it's, it, there, there are economies of scale that happen in these things. And from a licensing perspective, that 75 grand is going to be made back in like a week. Right. Yeah, Once this yeah. stuff goes out, there's, there's all kinds of business aspects that factor into pricing that, 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 you know, never get seen. And again, we, we're not interested in, in showcasing this project from a business perspective. We're happy to share aspects of the business piece of it. If, if that's something that people are really interested in um, that, that we can share, but at the same time, like that's not what it's about. That's not why we're sharing the project. Mm. We're sharing it for the design process and to show the creative side of it. And um, you know, to that end, like this project's not really intended to be as kind of a, a, hey, other designers, this is how you do this kind of a thing. This is, this is for the general public. This is an education piece for, for the average sports fan and for people in New Zealand to say, no, no, really, we really did think through all of these points before you just rush to judgment and call this logo a piece of junk and call us out and say, how dare you? you know, use two Americans who have no idea about anything related to New Zealand. And it's like, no, 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 no. Slow down here. We, we're doing our due diligence and, and you need to understand where we're coming from and why. And, and that's what this piece is about. Yeah. And, and one thing I think that you probably, and Brandon, you touched on how you guys did get creative with the billing. So, and, and honestly, that is a part of your process, right? So it's a billing process. So would you be comfortable in discussing how you guys got creative with the billing? Uh, that, cause that is something somebody could lift and use yeah. in their own processes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Cause it's just, it's, it's a process. It's not an actual number. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, that's actually a process I'll probably, um, use on my next project, next series of logos that I'm doing. Um, but with that said, Brian, I hope you can handle it from here. I got to get back to the dolphins. Um, so all right, man. Uh, Adam, <laughs> Brian, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure.
Yeah, uh, thanks for having us on here, Adam. Um, I'll catch up with you guys later. All right, sounds all right, good. Um, yeah, uh, we, we've kind of held off from that because we wanted to make sure that, that Baseball New Zealand was cool with us sharing that. Um, but, uh, you know, we mentioned this earlier. They were Eight years ago, they, they were an organization that had only $100,000 for their entire operating budget. And, and you know, you say $100,000, that's six figures, and that's more money than a lot of people make in an average year. And so, yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, but you pay somebody $20,000 for a salary and you have three people on staff at $20,000, that's $60,000 of your $100,000 budget. And then your equipment costs $35,000. Then you've got $5,000 left. And what do you do with that? Do you do field maintenance? Do you do, you know, you can one flight to Australia for your team is going to cost more than that. So it's, it's, it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's a very small number. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, obviously they're, they're not the all blacks. They're not, they're not uh, a super well-established, uh, organization. So their budget's kind of strapped. Um, so when we first presented the number that we came to, they kind of balked a little bit and they're like, I'm not sure we can handle that. So, uh, you know, most, there are a lot of designers who are like, all right, it's half up front and half when the project's done. And the reason that they do that, it's, it's for, you know, self-preservation essentially, you know, you want to make sure that you, you don't get screwed over by, by the people you're working with. And well, yeah, and there's that, a, there's a trust factor. Definitely. Right. It's like, if you're right. going to have skin, in, if you're going to have skin in the game, they got to have skin in the game as well. Right. To get this thing going. Exactly. And, and I think there's, for me, a, a little bit more of a, a trust factor involved with it. And so my deposits are usually, I break it up a little bit more. And it's also a cash flow standpoint for me. Like, I don't want too big balloon payments that I got to then, you know, dole out over the course of a year. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. or you'll just live large for like the first month. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like fix or famine. So like, for me, I, I, it's, it's as much for my own purposes as it is for them. Uh, but what we did is we, we did a, a small percentage. I, I don't even think it was 10%. You know, um, might have been a little bit more than 10% um, as a down payment um, upfront, just so we could, you know, get the it's, a, it's official. Yeah, right. it's official. And, and it's a good faith payment, essentially. And it's like, yes, we're serious about this. It's enough money that, you know, we don't want to take it back. Uh, so we're going to be serious about this. Um, but we, we ended up deciding that um, <clears throat> to make it easy on their, their cash flow and on their, their budget, we're billing them uh, monthly in installment payments for 24 months. So um, we're not gonna we're not gonna take two years to do the project, and we're not gonna take two years to get all the work completed. If it takes that long, it takes that long because it takes that long, not because you know that's how long the billing cycle is. Uh, but that way, it's it's almost micro payments for them, um, so it they can budget that in over the course of the next couple of years. It makes it a lot more feasible for them to to get to that. We're not charging them interest. We're not charging them any sort of financing fees or anything like that because it's frankly a headache for us and it's, it's pointless. Like, you know, if they're going to pay us, they're going to pay us. And if they're not going to pay us, then that's what contracts are for to ensure that we have some way to collect the money that is agreed upon and owed by, by both parties if, if need be. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how we kind of got around 
everything. So we didn't, we didn't change your number. We didn't, um, we didn't give them any sort of, you know, okay, we know that you're strapped for cash. We'll give you a cheaper rate. So we didn't devalue our work, but we just worked with them to make sure that, that what the fee that we are charging them is uh, feasible for them to pay in a, in a realistic amount of time. So in, in, in kind of wrapping up here, do you guys have a deadline in mind or is it just kind of open at this point? It's totally open. Um, we're, we don't want to have, I mean, yeah, yes and no. We, we want to get this done as quickly as we possibly can. Um, because they have, they have goals that they want, you know, they wanted to have this brand. If they could, it'd be done tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so that they could, they could implement it. Um, they're, they're so excited to be able to have something high quality and professional, to be able to, to really help them stand out as a, a legitimate sporting organization that should be taken seriously in the country as soon as they possibly can. Because for them, it's all about, you know, youth engagement and being taken seriously as a competitor on the international stage. So, um, yeah, they, they definitely want it as quickly as possible. So do we. But at the same time, like, we, we don't want to – we don't want to rush it and, and screw it up and have to go back and, and redo it again later. So it's kind of, it's open-ended in, in that, you know, we don't have a specific deadline, but we're, we're shooting to try and have something wrapped up within the next six months. I, I suppose five months now. Gotcha. Well, cool, man. Is there anything else uh, that you kind of want to leave people with? Maybe preview some stuff coming out or next article topic? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, we've mentioned this a couple of times. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Robert Janke uh, this weekend, um, who's a professor of Maori visual cult, uh, culture and arts um, at a university in New Zealand. And um, we're looking forward to kind of picking his brain, getting a different perspective. I mean, we, we super grateful for, for Dave Bishop's input and uh, you know, for his continued uh, guidance um, just because he is Maori uh, and you know, he's connected in the baseball world, but um, it's, you know, it's always good to get a second opinion and have somebody else to provide us with something else. So um, that'll be interesting to see what kind of what he has to say about what's important and then kind of where, where we're going. And then um, we are, uh, I think we're going to start getting into the nitty gritty. We've done a lot of exploration sketches, just kind of like, hey, what about this? What about that? And, and um, you know, we, we talked about the shark tooth being something that we're really excited about. And so I think we're going to start doing some actual, like, focused sketching based on that and really try and figure out uh, the primary system, you know, cap mark. Uh, primary logo and and jersey word mark text that can then inform the rest of the brand cool awesome man well i appreciate the time uh enjoy the conversation and and i'll obviously be watching from afar and uh wish you guys luck all right thanks adam appreciate your time man. thank you and thanks to chris creamer and the sportslogos.net community uh if you want to follow along with this project obviously uh, at this point you should probably know that they are documenting it on sportslogos.net uh, you can just really just go there and search for the uh, open branding project. Uh, 
I know Brian's Twitter account is at bgundell, and then you can find me on at, at Makers of Sport on Twitter. So thanks a lot, everybody, and uh, uh, happy holidays. <laughs>